During Jesus' ministry, one of the primary ways he would instruct his disciples was through parables. People would gather from far and wide in order to listen to what Jesus said about the kingdom of God. And the most common way he would explain the kingdom was in parables. In this series, CMC campus pastors examined several parables of Jesus, exploring the rich truths they reveal about who Jesus is and what he came to achieve through his life, death, and resurrection. Now join lead pastor Tim Brooks as he teaches on the parable of the three servants. Well, I'm enjoying our look into the parables, and I want to pick up right where we left off uh, with Matthew chapter uh, 25, where we left off last week with our look into the parables. Our look into the parables. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money with them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who had received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who had received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they had used the money. Verse 20, the servant whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities, so let's celebrate together. Verse 22, the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 24, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered take the money from his servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given will more be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant in the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, there's just so much here for us to look at. And I want to go quickly because I do want to look at a lot of what Jesus is saying. Uh, the early translations of the Bible uses the word talent. How many of your Bibles say talent? Five talents or three talents? A lot... A lot of our translations use the word talent. And for us in English, when we read the word talent, our mind automatically goes to somebody who can sing or somebody who can play the guitar or somebody who can play basketball or football real well. We look at talent as that. The original word talent was a word that defined a certain amount of money. And so I'm really glad that the modern translations, the more modern translations of the Bible, 
have bags of silver there instead of the word talent simply because of the translation into our English language and our understanding because truly we're not talking about if you can play basketball good. We're talking about bags of silver. We're talking about amounts of money. This is all about M-O-N-E-Y. This is all about money. That's what this parable is about. Now, we're going to dive into this uh, and get started. Verse 14, let's look at this. Verse 14, chapter 25. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. Okay, this parable, as the parables of Jesus, use natural stories to teach how things work in the realm of the Spirit. And, and throughout the Bible, through the pages of the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, natural things that we look at just in the natural will reveal spiritual truth to us. Now, when, when we read, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated, we're about to see how the kingdom of God works. We're about to see how the kingdom of God works. You can look at the illustration as God as the man going on a long journey. You could look at the illustration of Jesus going on a long journey and coming back at the second coming. Here's the way it works with God, verse 15. He gave five bags of silver to one. He gave two bags of silver to another. And he gave one bag of silver to another person, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Now, when you study the Bible, you, you can't just read through it. We've got to get biblical in our thinking. We have to get biblical in our thinking about how life here on this earth works. We can't look at the Bible as some religious book, amen it when we read it, underline it when we read it, yet go out here and think operate, raise our kids, do business, handle our money like the world does. We got to get biblical in our thinking. If you read this, now we're getting biblical in our thinking, you will see that communism is not a scriptural way of thinking. It's not a scriptural form of government. That's, that's communism is not what the Bible teaches. The scriptures show everybody is not the same. The scriptures show everybody won't have the same amount of money. That, that's the way life works. That's the way God planned on it to work. So to take money away from everybody here and then divvy it out in equal proportions is not the way the Bible operates. Now, we're going to have to read Romans and Corinthians, and we'll see the giftings of people. And the giftings that we have are all different. We have different giftings. And because of that, there will be different amounts of money that everybody in here will have for you to steward over. I hope we're mature enough to know it's not yours. You came here with nothing, you will leave with nothing. It's not yours. It is yours to manage while you are here. But everything here belongs to God. You didn't bring anything to the party here, okay? Oh, you know, my money. No, no, no. This was here before you got here. It'll be here after you leave. But this is what you steward over while you are here. And each one of us 
will steward over different amounts. Now, we today are getting way too hung up on the amount we have. And we're jealous over each other, or we're insecure over what we have, and we feel it less than a real person because we don't... Don't look at your brother or your sister who has more money than you have and feel less of a person. God loves you. God has a call on your life. God has a plan and a purpose for you. The amount of money that you have been entrusted with has nothing to do with how wealthy you are in God's eyes, how valuable you are to this church and to one another. So what kind of car or the size of car or the newness of car you drove up here in, it's very wrong of you to feel arrogant about yourself or to feel embarrassed about it okay we got different amounts of money has everybody got that I'm proud for you if you've got the five I'm just couldn't be more proud for you I got the one that's just the way it is and I'm proud for myself because I could not have that all right you can't compare yourself Here's the point of this. Now, don't get hung up on if you have the five or if you have the one. The point is, if you will take whatever it is you have and double it, you will be blessed. You will be blessed if you will do well with what you have. If you don't do well with what you have, you won't be blessed. All right, verse 16, let's read on. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. Servant had the two bags of silver, went to work, earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip. The servant who had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. Verse 21. Now look at these words. The master is full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Look at this. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling a small amount, so I'll give you many more responsibilities. Well, let's celebrate. Verse 22. The servant received the two bags of silver, came forward and said, Oh, master, you only gave me two, and my car wasn't as new as somebody else. No, no, no. The guy that had the two, it wasn't as much as the five, but he went out and did something with it. He went out, and he, he wasn't jealous. He wasn't all jerked up because he didn't get the five. He went out and did something with his two. Look what he says. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Faithfulness is a word that we've lost in this generation. I'm talking about lost. We can't seem to be faithful with anything. Now, we've got to get a hold of the word faithful faithfulness. Faithfulness in handling the small amount is vital to you being given more. Did everybody get that? Faithfulness in the small amount is vital. It's the key ingredient to you being given more. We can't seem to get faithfulness. We want more, and then we'll take care of it. Why take care of this little that I have? Now, when I'm given more, boy, I'm going to be responsible. Is God wise? Yes or no? 
Do you think God is a wise investor? Would God make a wise investment? Yes. I realize that I have been teaching this principle for 35 years because I'm talking about, as an example, when my daughters were three or four, and they are now 40. So it's been a long time since one of my daughters asked me for a penny or a nickel or a quarter to go put in the gumball machine at a restaurant. But my daughters, at three or four years old, see that gumball machine in the restaurant. Everybody's seen that with all those colors in it. Daddy, 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 I need a nickel. I need a dime. Used to when my girls were three or four, it was a penny. Now it's probably a $50 bill to get a bag of gum. But at any rate, I need a nickel. I need a dime. So I give them a dime. They go across the restaurant and they drop the dime and it rolls into the air conditioner vent on the floor. So crying, they run back to me. I drop my dime. So what am I going to do? Oh, bless your heart. Here, here's a $100 bill. Clearly, no. Now, can you understand that? If you can't handle the dime right, how foolish would it be for me to hand you a $100 bill? Is everybody getting this? Now, let's look at this. Let's look at this. Verse 21 and verse 23. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. I will give you many more responsibilities. Verse 23. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. I will give you many more responsibilities. This is a principle of how life works. Some of you have red letters. What does that mean in your Bible? Who? Jesus talking. Why would you pray for a bigger house when the smaller one you're living in is not clean? Now, for those of you who really have a difficult time with practical preaching, I highly encourage you to find another church. Faithfulness in a small amount is how you get more. Why would you pray for a newer car when you left the windows down in your car you have now and it rained in it? Why would you pray for a newer car when the car you now has McDonald's, Burger King, and Taco Bell all in the floorboard in the back seat? I prepared for really a lot of silence in this message. So don't start feeling bad for me. I'm good to go with no amens. Why would you pray for a better job when you are late to the job that you have now? I'm shaming you into some amens. Thank you for that. Why pray for more money when you're spending all the money that you now have? Why pray for more money when everything you buy is depreciable. Everything you buy is depreciable. Do you think God is going to give you more money 
when everything you spend it on is a depreciable item. God is not stupid. God is a wise investor. He is entrusting you to handle money. And every dime you get, you have blown it. Every, every dime you get, you've let it go down an air conditioner vent. Now, you've got to get a hold of faithfulness. You have to understand faithfulness because this is how the kingdom works. Faithful in a small amount, blessed with more. We talk about this to our interns. You now have one light bulb and one switch. That's all you're responsible for. And you can't get the light turned down in your one room. Don't start praying for a big house one day. There's a lot of light switches in a house. You got one door that you're in charge of, just one. And you can't get it shut. And then you shut it and you lock it and you've lost the key to the one door that you have. And we got to go get another key and we got to make it. And we got to come up there and pry it in and get you in. You can't handle one door, one light switch, and one key. Just don't waste your time praying for a house one day. Ask God that you just live in the woods under a tree. Because you can't handle one light bulb. You, You can't pull that off. Now, we're talking about... Praying for more. Let me just ask you, how does more come? Now, there's a lot of things in the Scripture that we are to pray for. Clearly, there's a lot of things that we're to pray for. But more is not one of them. More doesn't come by praying for more. More comes by how? Being faithful in the little. That's how more comes. Now, we're just studying the parables, and we're learning how the world works, and we're going to think biblical, and we've got to get a hold of the importance of faithfulness in the small amount. Are you being faithful in what you now have? Is your car clean? Are you to the job you have early? Are you handling the money that you now have wisely? Let's move on. Verse 24. Lock the doors, all the ushers, don't let anybody leave. Because it's going to get a lot worse. Verse 24, then the servant with the one bag of silver came. Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I might lose your money. So I didn't do one single thing. I didn't want to go in business, I might lose it. I didn't want to make an investment, I might lose it. I didn't want to get involved, it might not work out for me. I didn't want to, uh, I just didn't do anything. So I hid it in the earth, dug a hole and put it in the ground. Here's your money back. Wow. I was afraid. I did nothing, absolutely nothing. Not, not even a small savings account with just a little interest. Nothing. In the Greek, that means nothing. Okay, I want everybody to notice, we are still reading red letters. Okay, what does that mean? Jesus Christe, for those of you who don't speak English. Jesus is doing the talking here. Let's make sure we get this clear because this ain't going to go well right here. I want to read this very carefully so you don't think I'm the one saying it. Verse 28. 
Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. For those who use well, some of your translations say, to those who have will more be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who have not, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here is what alarms me. And I've been seeing it in the last elections. Here's what alarms me about the thinking of America. Everybody in America that is 10 years old or older knows the storyline of Robin Hood. How many here know the storyline of Robin Hood? Raise your hand. What is it? One sentence. Take from the rich, give to the poor. Everybody in America knows that. If you're 10 years, probably if you're five years or older, everybody in America knows the storyline of Robin Hood. What percentage of Americans know Matthew 25? I'm just asking a percentage here. Not everybody. Not even 50%. 5%. Now, these are the people that are voting. Robin Hood has shaped America's thinking and not Jesus. Jesus said, what did Robin Hood say? Take from the rich, give to the poor. What did Jesus say? Take from the poor and give to the... How many have a hard time with that? Raise your, come on, let's be honest. How many have a hard time with that? You are shaped more by Robin Hood than you are the Bible. And we, let me say this, we are shaped more by Robin Hood than we are the Bible. Because when we read that, we have a, oh, whew, I mean, take, and then this little poor guy, I don't have money, but take it, I give it to this rich guy. Ooh, oh, oh, okay, what's the next chapter? Let me get over to Mark. I don't want to read that again. You probably don't have that as a magnet on your refrigerator. Take from the poor and give to the rich. That, that's not a painting in the Bible bookstore downtown. I mean, it's just not. Well, Tim, it just seems like today the rich get poor, richer and the poor get poor. How many have heard it? It just seems like the rich get richer and the poor get poor. Well, it seems like that because it is. That, that's the reason it seems that way. America has got to stop being against the rich. And we today have politicians being elected on the platform that they are going to tax these rich people. We're going to tax these rich people. And we're going to give this moldy little poor people, all of the American little poor people here, we're going to tax the rich. And America is applauding and electing them. I mean, that is a popular platform. And that concerns me because that is completely opposite of the red letters in the Bible. You have to, you, this is hard. I'm prepared for this to be hard. But you have to understand. 
no poor person ever created a company and hired hundreds and hundreds of employees. Not one time. No poor has ever given $5 million to cancer research. No poor has ever given a $10 million grant to heart research. No poor has ever given $10 million to build a hospital. No poor has given large amounts of money to build churches, to build schools. No poor has written us a check to buy a new van for our youth group. No poor are able to write checks for us to build this youth center that we're building. Society will not prosper taking away from the rich and giving it to those who can't handle money. You take it away from the people who can handle it, and you give it to the people who can't handle it. The society cannot financially continue to prosper. It can't. It won't. It never will. And Jesus couldn't be more clear. Except a liberal Hollywood agenda has shaped today the way America thinks. Because now, in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s, all of those people, that's us, we grew up watching Robin Hood, that being a benevolent thing, that sounding right, that sounding good. I'm always reminded of the Scripture, there's a way that seems right. But the end is death. That's what Proverbs says. Taken away from this guy, filthy, filthy, rich, and let's give it to all these little poor people. That sounds good. That's communism, and it won't work. This last election really, really concerned me. Really concerned me about the thinking of America because we had one candidate that wasn't even subtle about it. His main platform was bragging on moving us towards socialism, and he got shockingly a lot of votes. Now, that tells you where America, our thinking is financially. And what is, I mean, what is very concerning is you can study world history right now and all the way back, and you cannot show me one nation anytime, anywhere in the world that taxed the rich and gave to the poor that it prospered the nation. That's never, not one time, ever worked. Not once. Right here in America. You can look at some of our major cities that 50, 75 years ago were very, very wealthy cities. And they raised the tax rate to an unprecedented rate on wealthy businesses. And those businesses either went out of business or just moved somewhere else. And those cities are in poverty with rows and rows and rows of big, beautiful homes with trees growing up in the middle of them, all because of a tax rate structure on businesses. Now, Jesus said, here's the way it works. This is the way it works. Robin Hood sounds good, but it is opposite of the teachings of Jesus. That's why you don't do what sounds good in some meeting somewhere. You stay with biblical thinking in your life. Verse 28 and 29. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant. Now here's a key for us. And give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. For those who have 
Those who have will more be given, and those who have not, even what little they have, will be taken away and given it to... Okay, who has? Who gets more? He who has. Who gets less? He who has not. So we got the haves and we've got the have-notters. Now, if you are in the category of a have-notter, what you have to start doing tonight is move yourself to a haver. Now, here's what happens, and it starts very early. When you give, when you give a little child a dollar, where do they want to go? Immediately. Stop what we're doing and go to the candy store. Because they have got to get rid of that dollar in their pocket. When you give a kid a $5 bill, what do they immediately want to do? I mean, as fast as you can drive them to Walmart, the party has to stop. You got to get me where I can spend this $5. When you give a kid $10, what do they want to do? Go and buy something with it. When you get a kid, come on, are you following me? When you get a kid $100, see, you move from 5 to 10 to 100 and you have a mentality that we grow up with of how quickly can I consume every dime that I have in my pocket. And as we get older, we have a little bit more money, we have a little bit more money, and we have developed a let me buy video games, let me buy clothes, let me buy a movie. I mean, buy Friday morning, you have none left of your paycheck last Friday. You, but you have no money left. Now, to aid this mentality, we've developed a beautiful system that you can even spend money you don't have. You don't have to have a dime in your pocket to get a Coke. You can put it on a credit card. You don't have to dime in your pocket. No money, no money down, no interest till January of 2000. You can buy couches and furniture. And you got somebody screaming on TV every time you turn it on. You can buy this and you can buy that. You don't have to have a dime. Just come down here and get it. That's all you. See, we've developed a wonderful system where you can even spend more money than you have. You don't have to have any. And so now we've got our society in debt and it mirrors our nation. Because now we're living in a nation that is in debt. I can't believe this national debt. You got any money on a credit card? Why can't you believe this national debt? Because you have more on your credit card than you have in your pocket to pay off. If I put $500 on my credit card when I'm out of town, it's because I have $500 in my checking account. When I get home, I'll write a $500 check for it. But I'm not going to not have any money in my checking account, so I'm going to swipe the card. Don't be shocked that our nation is in trillions of dollars of debt because it's, it's just a replication of the way Americans think. Not only now do we spend all we have, we spend what we don't have. God will never bless financially this lifestyle. You can read it right here. God won't ever bless that. God will never bless a lifestyle of a have-notter. Now, you had a dollar, you spent it. You had $5, you spent it. You had $100, you spent it. You got $500, you spent it. I mean, I, and I like to read it. I read it all the time. Athletes that make $10 million a year for several years, and the year they retire, they're auctioning their mansion because they're bankrupt. 
How many seen that? And they're auctioning their house, their mansion because they are bankrupt. It doesn't matter if you make a dollar a week or if you make $10 million. If you spend it all, you remain a have-notter. The point of this is, is to move yourself from a have-notter to a haver. Don't, don't ever make a dollar that you don't put some of it back. Now, this is not a message on tithing, but clearly it goes without saying, 10% doesn't belong to you, you have to pay your tithe. Then I'm going to put money in my savings account, and then I will live on what's left. Because it's very simple to me, who is more given to? It's open book test, answers in verse 29. Who is more given to? He who has. So what you want to do is never, ever be a have-notter. That's why when you come up to me, and folks, I mean, criticize me, I guess, a little bit for carrying too much cash in my pocket. I'll always have a lot of money in my pocket. In case you get any ideas, I've got something else in my pocket to protect (laughs) what's in that pocket. So I won't go into that. But at any rate, I carry cash in my pocket. Why? Because I want God to always see me as a haver. I ain't got no money. I'm broke. Oh, I can't go. I don't, I don't have no money. Uh, don't let God know that. Because God don't bless those who ain't got no money. God blesses the havers. God blesses the havers. Those who have will more be given. And then those are the people that can further the kingdom of God. Those are the people. I want everybody in this church to be very, very well off financially. Why? Because we got a lot of things that we want to do for the kingdom of God. We want to do a lot of things for the kingdom of God. I want you to have so much more money than you need to just exist on you can write a check for a new van. I want you to have so much more money than you need to exist on that you can write a check for a youth center. I want you to have so, are you getting this? That's how the gospel is feathered by people who have more money than they need just to make it to this next meal. You've got to make sure that you keep yourself a haver. Now, this is the way the kingdom of God works, always. Now, there's things I don't have, But money is not one of them. I want God to see me as a haver. I want God to see me as a haver. And I want God to look at me as a great investment to entrust money with. Because whether I'm here or whether I'm not here, whether I'm and Terry and I were speaking in our church in Missouri Sunday, but I'm just going to tell you, our check was here. Our check was here. We're not going to rob God. I'm going to keep myself in a position to be blessed. I am one of the big givers. I want to live as one of the big givers. I can't outgive what God has given to me. And that happens because you manage your money right. If you continue in the lifestyle that you developed when you were two years old, you will never put yourself in a place to be blessed by God. Boy, I'm enjoying this study in the parables. Romans 12, 2 says, uh, careful, don't be conformed to this world's thinking. And we don't even realize it, but we can hear the storyline of Robin Hood and feel good about it. We can read Matthew chapter 25, the red letters of Jesus, and have a knot in our stomach. Why? Because we have been conformed 
to the world's way of thinking. And we're going to have to wash our minds with the Word. We're going to have to renew our minds with the Word. What does God say? What does God say? When Jesus says the kingdom operates like this, let's don't buck it. Let's learn that principle and let's establish that in our lives. Don't continue to spend all that you have. Put some back. Put some back. Put some back. Keep yourself a haver and watch God's blessings unfold in your life. I'm praying for God's blessings on you. I am praying for God's blessings on you. And to do that, I've got to make sure that we are all living in a manner that God's Word says that He blesses. Don't live in a lifestyle that's against God's Word and pray for Him to bless you. Live a lifestyle that's in obedience to God's Word. Let's be biblical in our thinking. Y'all stand. Lord, we thank you that simply you didn't create us, put us on this earth, kick this thing in motion, and then walk off. That you have given us a blueprint. That, that you have given us a, a, an owner's manual of how we're to think, how we're to live, how we're to act. Lord, that we continue to meditate your word day and night. That it doesn't depart from our mouth and that our thinking does not line up with some Hollywood movie, but that our thinking lines up with your word. Lord, direct and guide us, and may your blessings be poured out on this ministry because we are a group of faithful in the little people. Direct us and guide us as we continue to live our life honoring you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Christian Ministries Church Weekly Podcast. Summer is almost here, and we want you to know about one of our awesome resources for teens. Each summer, CMC hosts a camp called High Point, designed for teens, ages 15 through 19. High Point is a biblical worldview camp that equips young adults for the challenges that are relevant to their culture. High Point has a variety of inspiring speakers, awesome worship, challenging obstacle courses, and fun activities. For more information or to register online, you can visit our website at hpoint.org. Spots are limited, so we encourage you to register today.